0: All right. Hey, welcome to the Pharmacy Residency Podcast. Remember the Pharmacy Podcast Network. I'm on with Blair Thielemeyer, who um, we worked together on a book, uh, which was working on entrepreneurship. And we brought her back because she's now delved into leadership and wellness. Well, she's really been in leadership and wellness for this whole time. Uh, But I wanted her to briefly tell you her story, how things changed so suddenly. And I think that next year, we've got a lot of things coming up. We've got student loans, which are going to need to be repaid. Uh, We've got um, interest rates that may or may not go down. We've got a government that is desperate to get our unemployment numbers up. (laughs) And we've got uh, companies that are not going to meet their projections and are going to start laying off people. And uh, the best time to connect with people, the best time to network is before you need them. And so Blair has been a fantastic networker, but also someone who is an absolute expert in the leadership and wellness space. And we're going to talk about building something meaningful for yourself. So I'll let her begin with how she built something meaningful for herself. I'll talk about how I built something meaningful for myself. And then we'll talk about how you can build something meaningful for yourselves. So Blair, welcome to the Pharmacy Residency Podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: All right. Well, they may or may not have heard it before, but tell us the hospital story. And uh, you know, you can make it the brief one, but uh, there you were with your child on the way.
1: <laughs> there I was, pregnant with my first baby. You know, I had gone in the pharmacy because you always have a job, and you know mm-hmm. all of that stuff that that we've been told. And And yet I was, I was pretty happy working as a clinical hospital pharmacist and got the news that, Hey, we're facing budget cuts and they cut a nurse and ethicist down to PRN. They cut me down to PRN. There was only two two full-time pharmacists and it was me or the senior director (laughs) who'd been there for 30 something years. So what do I do? You know, six months pregnant, not a great time to be looking for another full time job. I live in a rural area. So there was going to be a, um, you know, a drive for wherever I was going to be working. So I started calling up my network and said, Hey, you know, it's mostly pharmacy owners, if you need, uh, you know, some relief work. I'm, I'm six months pregnant, but I would love to help you up until my due date and then maybe some thereafter. And and that's how I got through. I took a $40,000 pay cut that <laughs> year, but we made it work. And afterwards, I was kind of left with the bad taste in my mouth of, man, I thought that this job, this income mm-hmm. was so safe that, you know, now I I see risk tolerance in a little bit different way of like, man, that that is kind of risky to only have one source of income. So that began my journey into entrepreneurship as an MTM consultant pharmacist, and then eventually led to me building the Pharmapreneur Academy.
0: Okay. So tell us a little bit about Pharmapreneur Academy, but also why it is so meaningful to you because, uh, I know Purpose Driven Life is a very famous book and that's not exactly where we're going, but uh, I don't know if we can call it purpose-driven career because you're making your own career. So, but what the work you are doing is certainly purpose-driven. So tell us a little bit about the academy and and how it does you know provide that fulfillment at the end of the day where you feel like you're doing something good for people.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, I've, I've never been one that just loves clinical patient care. But when I found MTM, I thought, this is amazing. I don't have a residency. I don't have board certification. I, I hate when people say I'm just a pharmacist, oh, but yeah. I really, you know, I, I, I was a pharmacist. And I, I, when I started doing MTM and having these conversations with patients, that was the thing that really struck me of, wow, I can I can have an impact on these patients. But the thing I didn't like about MTM was it was just a once a year thing. So I, my husband calls me the queen of research. So that's <laughs> what I started doing. I was researching, okay, if I was to see this patient more than once in a year, what would it look like? oh, it could look like I put them on a medication synchronization program. And then I'm talking to them once a month about their adherence. And then there's a, a, a connected uh, physician's office for, for one of the pharmacies I was doing MTM for. And I thought, what would it look like to have uh, a collaborative agreement with this physician's office? So I started digging into that. Now, the state of Arkansas Again, it depends on what state you're in, but the state of Arkansas is limited to disease state management protocol, okay. and so it, it is a little bit limiting in my state to be able to bill for something like chronic care management. But it is something we're seeing uh, in many other states that that do allow the Pharmacy Practice Act and and allows uh, collaborative practice agreements with pharmacists and physicians. So I thought. These things exist now. What, you know, I hear so many pharmacists saying, oh, provider status is going to save pharmacy. And, you know, I wish someone would do something. I wish our organizations would advocate more for pharmacists. And when I started learning more about these billing models and learning more about entrepreneurship, it became very clear to me, these business models already exist they just haven't been put in place by individual pharmacies and individual pharmacists and that's where my message about entrepreneurship came from and and Pharmapreneur Academy is the combination of pharmacist and entrepreneur and the idea that our profession was built by entrepreneurs my great-grandfather was a pharmacist in Chicago in the 40s and the profession was built by entrepreneurs. It was built by forward thinking people that had a a, a very deep relationship with their patients. And I think that pharmacists can get back to that. Um, But it's, it's mostly on an individual level. So the consulting model is one that I teach through the Pharmapreneur Academy, which is there's three paths for consultants within the academy. One's go work in a physician's office. Two is create clinical services in a pharmacy-based setting, like point-of-care testing. Um, even the you know the COVID testing we we saw that blow up because mm-hmm. of the pandemic. And then the third is more in the cash-based uh, patient-pay realm. So this might be. I'm going to create a program on uh, microbiome and gut health, or I'm going to create a program for women who are trying to conceive. So most of the pharmacists that I'm working with are individuals who want to create a consulting business around their, their expertise and around a specific niche.
0: When I keep seeing uh, students applying to to residency and, I help them with their letters so I get to see what they've done. They say, I caught up uh, you know, X number of pharmacies on you know, 500 MTMs or something like that. And we think about that first as like, okay, so you've, you've gotten this job done. But tell me the impact that all of that MTM work that you did, because what you did was you not only caught up the one pharmacy and then caught up other pharmacies, but then you started showing people how to do this and catch up pharmacies. Tell me a little bit about what you actually did for population health in terms of the actual impact that you're figuring out those kind of models did for those patients. Cause I think we kind of lose touch with that, that piece of there's a patient at the end who's now controlled on their diabetes or uh, things like that.
1: Absolutely. So you know I, I study user experience quite a bit, and I was really thinking about user experience from the patient's point of view. In pharmacy, we we think of things workflow, and our primary uh, method of income has always been tied to di- the dispensing of a product. Sure. <laughs> and now we know, we hear independents say, I'm losing money on dispensing. So my thing is, okay, well, let's create multiple revenue streams, some of those being based in clinical services. MTM is fantastic, but, again, it's a once-a-year meeting, you know, right. and the average primary care visit in the United States is seven minutes. That's true. Not that much can be done in, you know, in once-a-year visit, so. My, my programs and the, the models of clinical services that I was building for these pharmacies were not only creating the MTM uh, workflow and creating MedSync and point of care testing and some of these collaborative agreements, but also training the staff members how to interact with patients, how to have that uh, you know, constant touch point and that that experience in community health, so they don't feel like it's a it's a once a year thing. I, I love when I hear pharmacy saying we want to become the the health and wellness destination, and that's what I really see, um, especially in in cash based services. Pharmacists they'll they'll say. Oh, well, I'm in rural Arkansas. So they will say, oh, I, I'm, I'm in a, a urban area. So n- no one's going to pay for that. And then the next person will say, well, I'm in a rural area. And none of my patients are going
0: to pay for that.
1: <laughs> like, but yeah. you're licensed in a state. Here's what people forget. You're licensed in a state. You can work with anyone within that state. If you have a program that that's you know, focused on women who are trying to conceive, for example, you can work with anyone uh, that you're licensed with in the state and draw in people who are not your normal Medicare Part D patient on six or more medications, two or more chronic conditions. It can be a much younger demographic. And so as, as I'm talking about pharmacies and marketing strategies, I feel like there's an entire area yet to be tapped into, which is the health and wellness and preventative space.
0: Yeah. I think uh, my, one of our instructors, he's passed since, but uh, we called it Fred lab and it was the community pharmacy practice lab at Maryland who unfortunately went toe to toe to you with our uh, pharmapreneur, but I'm glad both of you got it. (laughs) Um, But, uh, but he said it's not a sin to make money. And I feel like, pharmacists get into this feeling that, well, I, I want to make them better, but I don't I don't want to have to ask for money. When people are saying, I don't understand, I'm trying to give you this money. I'm trying to ask you to help me. And you're saying that you don't want the money so that you can have a sustainable business. And, and I know that that kind of gets in the way a little bit. But tell me a little bit about how now we're getting into wellness. So are we talking about like nutrition, are we talking about areas where maybe that was traditionally by a nutritionist, or are we kind of bringing everybody together? Uh, Where are the places where we fit in wellness or that you've seen?
1: Yeah, so uh, lifestyle medicine, Uh, I follow the American College of Lifestyle Medicine, and you're looking at wellness from a couple of different perspectives one of the biggest uh, opportunities that i see for for pharmacists is to have conversations with people about how much sleep are you getting how much stress do you have in your life how much water are you drinking every day i mean you don't have to be a dietitian to to talk to people about nutrition which nutrition is a it you know it's a it is a difficult subject for some people to talk about especially when there's um, you know, the, the cost of eating healthy is something that, that we have to keep in mind. I, um, in my local area, have volunteered some time to promote a, a plant-based diet and also to teach things that are completely free, like meditation and yoga, to help people in, in their own health and wellness journey. So even just having conversations with people about what are you currently doing, uh, you know, for for yourself, for your own health, and what opportunities are there for, you know, dry January to, you know, take a little break from alcohol or uh, attempt one day a week of eating a a plant-based diet or, um, you know, tracking your sleep, tracking your stress and those are real conversations that are so easy to have and uh, over the phone and the counseling window and they can also lead to into your other programs so right. it's not like let's have a conversation about that and then I'm saying well good luck to you see you later yeah but it's let's have a conversation about that that conversation because you're trained in and selling and marketing, not, um, you know, those, <laughs> those conversations should lead to, oh, by the way, did you know that uh, in January, we're putting together a, a diabetes prevention group? And, you know, the goal of this group is to meet once a week, every Saturday, cook a healthy meal, and talk about how what we're doing to, you know, lose weight or whatever. Get off our medications.
0: Sure. I think you're, <clears throat> I can't keep hearing Zig Ziglar in my head. Don't forget to ask for the order. So people are yeah. not asking for the order. They're not, they're like, it's just this pause. And it's just like, this is when you say, okay, well, let's make you even better uh, as we're kind of maybe even deprescribing some of these medications. Um, so when we're, we're talking about this wellness and leading and you've got somebody that maybe is just graduated for residency, or maybe they're in a community residency where they're going to be doing a project. How do you start and connect building something meaningful like that um, with what you kind of have to do under the constraints of, uh, of the, the pharmacy itself?
1: I think understanding what opportunities there are in your state. And um, that was something for me that I had no idea what protocols were available, what okay. pharmacists could actually yeah. do. So I'm in the state of Arkansas. We just passed legislation that allows pharmacists to prescribe birth control. Now I am not in a pharmacy, but I would love to be able to help pharmacies set up this program. We're, you know, second highest in teen pregnancy horrific maternal birth rates. I mean, we're in a very uh, impoverished state and to be able to offer access to birth control, especially with the reversal of Roe v. Wade is Mm -hmm. something that I'm extremely passionate about. And if none of the pharmacies in my area are, 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 you know, have, have the resources to offer it, that's something that, that I personally, Want to be able to add to the uh, the Arkansas Pharmacists Association to to help create those models to implement in pharmacies, so that we can have you know patients get access to birth control without having to go get a pelvic exam and you know and go through the the whole issues with um, with women seeking birth control help.
0: Yeah, and we had that with the. Um... Uh, pre-ven and and those types of things where, you know, you would, the the laws gradually got eased where it used to be, it was behind pharmacy, you had to speak to a pharmacist and all this, and then you could just buy it, just come in, buy it, here you go. Uh, And I think that that's a good place to kind of stop with the, because I think that that is something that that's key is that, you know, they're going to be doing these projects and they're going to be going to ASHP and they're going to do their poster and whatever. But I think the most important thing is that they build that foundation for something meaningful as they do go uh, into practice. Um, Well, I've asked you a bunch of questions. Is there anything that I haven't covered that maybe we should talk about with health and wellness that, um, that you really have just like, if you knew this one thing, or if I could help you with this one thing, this is where to start.
1: I think we're so, you know, as healthcare professionals, uh, we don't take our own medicine very well. Oh yeah, here (laughs) we go. (laughs) Yeah, and, and, and getting very clear on what success looks like for us as individuals, in our own health, in our own relationship, in, um, you know, in our own careers, this is is a wonderful time of the year to to have that space to think about what would meaningful work look like. Um, You know, I think we, when I hear people say, I I just, I want to find my passion. It's like, Well, I mean, it it wasn't an aha moment, like I didn't get struck by lightning. I mean, I I was let go from a job uh, and subsequently stumbled upon something I was passionate about. But, you know, all that to say, look at your own life, look at look at the things that you have been through, that leave clues uh, of things that you may be curious about and interested in. So I had a a client who she had been working in managed care. She she did not enjoy it. She came to me say, you know, I, I think I want to become a a consultant pharmacist. And I'm like, okay, what does that mean to you? Because it means different stuff yeah. to different people. She was like, I think in a long term care facility. I'm like, okay, well, let's talk about your background in managed care. We will come to find out. She and, and her family members, aunts, she, she was an expert in specialty medicine, specifically for specialty medications that dealt with multiple sclerosis. And, okay. and she had a family history of multiple sclerosis. And so I told her, I was like, you, you have this knowledge and, and you have this experience that you can really speak to what the patients and their families are dealing with would this be something that you could be interested in, uh, you know, in consulting on? And she just, she was so thankful. She said, you know, was so relieved that, that I, I only thought that I had three options, retail, hospital, and, and long-term care. And that's really kind of my message to, to pharmacists is, if you feel like you don't belong in, in the box, Um, don't be afraid to, to take a step outside the box and see, see what some other things that you could possibly do are.
0: Yeah, I love it. I love it. Well, I don't want to keep your time, but I do appreciate you coming on and, and maybe what I'll do is I'll just add a second episode to this, to talk about how I built something meaningful. I don't want to take away from this because it was just, uh, um, you know, circumstance gave you a, a tough blow and uh, you just made so much out of it. And I just, we were just talking beforehand, but I feel like we're just so fortunate that our jobs are flexible, but we very much created those jobs and we are very happy with the way things are going with the family and all of that stuff. And, and that you don't need to stay in something that you don't like, but, but that being said, um, I've gotten up and I do still get up early at 5am and you were doing shift work for a very long time before everything, you know, before you were an overnight success, right? After a couple of years, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? So, you know, keep, keep the fires burning while you're doing it. Um, but I, I think that's wonderful to, to build something meaningful and then to bring it back to pharmacy and allow us as pharmacists to, to really make our mark. So, Blair Thielemeyer, thanks so much for being on the Pharmacy Residency Podcast. If someone were to want to get a hold of you, the best place, because I know that you don't want people having to spell your name in, in, in a URL. <laughs> Is it still BT? No,
1: Pharmapreneur Academy.
0: Okay, PharmapreneurAcademy.com. Uh, And we'll put that in the show notes. Thanks so much for being on.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Okay.